Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Podmoth. Do you see dead people? Not because you're a Bruce Willis superfan, but because visits with Gma got a little weird after her funeral. Are you often up at 3 a.m. Googling the various ways in which bodies decompose? But you swear it's just harmless research. Are you the first of your friend group to go on a murder tour or rent a haunted location for the night? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Identity Podcast. listeners and welcome back to the final episode of the season. You're listening to the Identity Podcast on the Podmoth Media Network, your foray into the weird, wonky, and sometimes downright spooky. As is custom, this episode features an interview. This week I welcome Jonathan Johnson of West Virginia Paranormal. West Virginia Paranormal Investigations was founded in 2007 by cousins Jonathan Johnson and Richard Riley as a way to further understand the world of ghosts, hauntings, and the paranormal. I had a great chat with Jonathan, and his group has uncovered some pretty amazing stuff. We talk about the team's investigations of some famous, or rather infamous, haunted places, along with discussion of some lesser-known locations, and Jonathan talks about how he got into paranormal investigations in the first place. If you've ever wanted to know more about how paranormal investigations actually work, you're in for a treat. And now, on with the show. So, I I guess to start off, can we kind of like get a baseline as to why you do what you do? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I've always had a fascination with the paranormal since I was little. I never had the big moment that a lot of people have that kind of gets them into it. Um, I just grew up hearing stories. My mom grew up in a house that she swore was haunted. She would be upstairs in bed and she would hear footsteps and her mom would be downstairs yelling at her to get back in bed because <laughs> there's somebody walking around and she's under the covers terrified. So um, hearing stories like that growing up always kind of piqued my curiosity. I never really did anything with it until I got to college. Um, that was about the time when like ghost hunters and ghost adventures and that kind of thing 
got popular with mainstream television and that's kind of when it clicked in my head that I, I was like wow people actually go out and do that because i really had no idea right and that's when i reached out <clears throat> to some friends and family and said hey is there any haunted places around here any stories you know and little did i know my cousin rich who i co-founded the group with had been interested in the paranormal his entire life and we'd never really talked about it so oh, wow. cool. um, we grew up in a really religious family so the paranormal wasn't like off like you could, it wasn't something you couldn't talk about, but it just wasn't brought up a whole lot. So once we broached that subject and decided to start uh, WVPI, it just was onward and upward from there. Nice. So um, you mentioned Paranormal State. I I watched all the you shows. Enjoyed yeah, that I've, show. I've seen everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually I had Michelle Belanger on this podcast awesome. um, a little while ago, so that was fantastic. She's so wonderful. Um. So you decided to start uh, West Virginia Paranormal. Um, how how did you start it? Like where? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just seems like an odd conversation, right, to have with people. Like, hey, y'all want to go on some yeah. ghosts? <laughs> it, it's definitely it's not as bad now. And I mean, two thousand seven is when we started, so that was kind of in the early years of of like I said, the mainstream popularity. So it was a little bit more taboo back then. Now it's, it's not near like what it was, but I'm sure years before that, it was really, really hard to bring up with a lot of people. So when we started out, um, we definitely got some weird looks and some strange <laughs> questions and stuff about what, what in the world are you doing? Um, <laughs> but we just, honestly, like I said, we started by asking friends and family and we talked to people in the community and said, hey, we're doing this crazy thing. Have you ever heard any stories about any of the buildings in the town? And I'm from the little small town in West Virginia. So it's got a lot of history with coal mining and trains and railroads and all kinds of stuff. So we started on that kind of route. And then eventually we would actually have people reach out to us. And we started out like a lot of groups do doing like in-home residential investigations and kind of built from there moved on to the bigger like trans allegheny lunatic asylum and west virginia penitentiary some oh. of the bigger places like that and yeah. then now we focus more on like the larger locations more so than the in-home kind of stuff yeah so what are what are some of like your your favorite or maybe i guess let's kind of start with like what are some of your favorite places like you said trans allegheny lunatic asylum and i got goosebumps <laughs> i just i love that place i love it i've never been there um but it's definitely on my bucket list oh it's it's a must must do for sure and we're super fortunate here i'm in morgantown west virginia now so i'm kind of in a little bit of a central hub where like a little over an hour from trans allegheny we're a little over an hour from west virginia penitentiary we're like three hours from sweet springs uh, we have a couple other places. The Heyman House, which we go to a lot, is about two hours away. I love that place. But I've I've been very fortunate over the years. I've been to Waverly Hills multiple times. I've been to Bobby Mackey's. I've been to the Sally House. I've been to the Hinsdale House. I've been uh, most of the major locations on the East Coast. I've been there. You've been to Bobby Mackey's Music World? I have, yes. Did you, <laughs> did you get beat up? or? <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely wasn't a, a portal to hell, in my opinion, but it was, it was a cool place. <laughs> yeah, um, I think there was a documentary or something on, I think it was like part of a special where they had a few different haunted places. Um, and they just, they played that place up 
You know, like it was like one of the most haunted places on earth. And like, yeah, you've been to Chillingham Castle or whatever, but you've never been to Bobby <laughs> Mackey's Music World. Right. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as far as going to places like the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, I mean, that's that's a huge location. So, like, when you go to places like that, how, like, what kind of equipment are you using and how are you kind of plotting out, like, where you're going to go? Yeah, when we first started out, we basically had nothing. We had, I mean, a voice recorder and an old uh, Sony mini DV camera that had, like, the little cassettes that you put mm-hmm. in and recorded to those. So those were the only things that had night shot back then. So we had those. And we would go on the public and tour, or public tours where they would split you up into like 10 or 12 people and then let you go from floor to floor. So when you're doing that, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Now that we've moved on, we're filming our web series, uh, Forgotten Relics for YouTube. So now we have everything. I mean, we have the state-of-the-art cameras. We have <clears throat> any kind of equipment that you think of, we have it. And now we think of it a lot more from a filmmaking perspective. I mean, we want to highlight the locations as best we can for the paranormal side as well as well as the historical side. So we kind of have to work through it in multiple levels now. So it's a lot more difficult now instead of just going, hey, you want to go investigate? I mean, we still do that from time to time. But if we're going to go film, it's it's an all day, multiple day. Like it's a ton of work right now, which but I love it. That's why we do it, because we absolutely love what we do. Yeah. Um, so you said you started out with a little, a little camera that had night vision and a recorder. I feel like that's how everybody starts out. <laughs> I think it is. I think it really <laughs> something is. that has night vision and something that will record sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you use anything like, um, for example, I saw something recently, uh, it was a spirit box and it's like a radio that jumps between like frequencies or whatever on the radio dial and you can pick up do you use any of that stuff absolutely yeah we have i think four or five different ones that we use um we definitely use a bunch of different ones we have ones that uh will scan forward and backward we have ones that scan randomly we have ones that uh that are based off emf like if the emf changes the sweep rate changes and then we also have what are what we call, and a lot of people call portals, which is basically just mm-hmm. a way to run the audio through some cleaning uh, to make the responses more clear. So we have some homemade portals that we use. Mm-hmm. So audio is a big, big part of what we do for sure. So what exactly is a portal then? <laughs> basically, you're, you're using the sphere box or whatever audio source you want to use and you run it through either like guitar pedals or something that cleans up the background noise so you don't hear all that right constantly. it just clears up that so then you hear the responses more clearly so it's a little bit easier to uh, understand what's going on nice yeah I, I was picturing something more like uh there is no west virginia paranormal there is only zool <laughs> yeah um yeah i uh i, I you know i i often go on those um websites where they sell all the different equipment um and just kind of look at what they have like i don't personally do like any ghost hunting or anything myself um but i have friends who do and i'm just fascinated with like the amount of stuff (laughs) that you can buy 
and it does you know like trigger objects and stuff like that like the amount of stuff that they offer on these websites is just i mean it's insane some of the prices are a little insane too but depends on yeah. where you go you know you absolutely shop around. Yeah, without a doubt if if you're buying and i don't really think anything is like top end i mean as far as like certain devices i mean there are a lot of great builders out there who have put a lot of years and time into it the ones that i trust and that's the devices that we use and those i would put my backing on but there's a lot of people out there who think just because it lights up and makes a noise that they can charge a thousand dollars for yeah, right. whatever the case is <laughs> So we right. actually build a lot of our own equipment and none of us are like electrical engineers or anything like that, but mm. we've studied it and tore stuff apart and looked into it and we know kind of the ins and outs. So we do a lot of that to kind of save money on our end. Our big expenses are basically our cameras right now. We are too many cameras right now. Right. <laughs> cameras and, and hot, flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. Those are the, yeah. Um, so what's the most recent tool that you've built that's made your ghost hunting either more productive or um you found that like you, now that you have it you can't live without it <laughs> we, we try to switch it up so there's not a something that we have to have um we built uh what's called a rim pod which is basically something that puts off like a field around the um an antenna and if something breaks that field it'll light up and make a noise so one thing that we've been doing with this lately that is new and it's been working really well is we'll take a couple of those rim pods and we'll use copper wire and we'll connect them to like a trigger object so in one investigation we were at a, a old prison so we took that and we took two uh rim pods and we connected it to an old prison key and if you touch the key then both of the rim pods would go off and we actually got them to go off when nobody else was on that floor. We, the floor was completely empty and we got it to go off. So that's kind of wow. a new experiment that we've tried and we're going to build another rim pod. I got all the pieces to build another one to see if we can kind of push that to another level as well. Nice. So what did you take apart to make that? <laughs> it's actually, I don't know if you've ever heard of a theremin. It's actually a musical yeah. instrument. Yeah, it's the weird, a, like the... You right, move the your, woo, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, exactly. yeah. So it's basically one of those like stripped down and you oh. like if when you come close to that item which they would normally use for to change the pitches and uh, things like that uh, we have it hooked up to lights and a speaker so if anything breaks that field that is not mm. one of us and the lights go off then there's a chance that that could be something paranormal hmm yeah that's really interesting i mean i don't know what else you would use a theremin for so <laughs> You know, I think just they did, didn't they do the original Star Wars theme or one of the things with the theremin? I, I feel like I feel like that might be right. I I have a friend um who does another podcast called uh, Genuine Chit Chat, and he's on Comics in Motion sometimes, and he's a big Star Wars nerd. He would know um, for sure, or they would know. So Mike sure. would totally know if Mike <laughs> listens to this one. I'm going to get an email if it's not right. <laughs> um, so as far as paranormal experiences are concerned, you said that you didn't have like the the big like what i would call the big bang right you know that one big event where you're like it's all real and <laughs> now i must run off into the shadows and find ghosts <laughs> um but i mean was it just like a lot of smaller things that you were like huh that's kind of strange when i first started out um i would have little stuff happen that would kind of like keep me going more and more 
one of the first places we were super lucky to get into the guy that owns the, the house is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life but it's an old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and like I said I'm in small town West Virginia so when I say the middle of nowhere it's legitimately <laughs> in the middle of nowhere uh, it's a little small two-story farmhouse and he's had tons of activity and every time we've ever been there and I've been there a bunch of times over the years we've had stuff happen one of the first times I was there we like I said we had the recorders and we were setting stuff up and there was a stairway that went upstairs well we weren't even investigating we were still walking around so I didn't know exactly where everybody was well I heard the door going upstairs I heard it open and close I heard it unlatch and then close so I thought that Rich, my cousin, the co-founder, I thought he'd went upstairs to set up a camera and a voice recorder. So I opened the door like three seconds later and I said, hey, Rich. And at that moment, he walked in the front door on the other side of the building. And he said he came around the corner and my face was just completely white, like just pale. <laughs> and that was one of like the big like initial moments where I was like, wow, man, there really might be something more to this. So that was kind of a big one. And then at Trans-Allegheny, which was like my first real big, big place that I ever went, um, I was alone on one of the wings and I turned around and I panned my flashlight across and in the middle of the hallway, there was a dark silhouette outline. I couldn't see any facial features. I couldn't see anything else, but it was a dark shadow. And by the time I went back across with my flashlight, it was gone. And there was wow. nobody else. I went and got other people. We came, we searched every single room, every single closet. And there was nobody there. So those two are like my first kind of like holy cow moments. And that's yeah. kind of led me down this path more and more. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I had seen a shadow and I was in the Trans-Allegheny <laughs> Lunatic Asylum, I probably just would have shit my pants and passed out. <laughs> I'm pretty just... sure I wanted to, yeah. I think <laughs> that was my first thought. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's really interesting. I, you know, I all... When I was really young, I used to have paranormal experiences a lot. And there were like a couple of big events that kind of pushed me more towards looking into the paranormal. And like, you know, this podcast was just kind of a no brainer because all the weird and creepy and paranormal stuff, I've always been into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really seems like for a lot of people, there's, there's a big bang. Um, but it seems also that there are even more people who are just like, I had this happen to me. I have no explanation. Like, I'm a logical human being, you know. I'm not, like, looking at this, trying to find something that, you know, could have caused it or whatever. But this happened to me, and I have no explanation. And so now this is what I'm going to do to try to find answers. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like there are more people like that who are trying to just kind of figure it out. Like I it's agree like, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why, I mean, most people in the field are, are trying to figure out why for one reason or another. I mean, yeah. we all want to know why, and we may never know that for sure, but if you learn a little bit more every time you go out, I mean, it's, it's worth it in my opinion. Right. So do you guys record, like, data from your trips and stuff? Like, I know you record, like, video and stuff like that, but you're also taking measurements and stuff, correct, of your environment? Yeah, we have the, the EMF or electromagnetic field meters where we'll do uh, baseline readings and uh, we'll do measurements. And I mean, you have to have a baseline because if you don't have a baseline, yeah. you don't know what is a spike or you don't know what a change is. So if you just go in and turn on your machine and it jumps up to like a 2.5, 
and you're like, oh my God, it's 2.5, but that's the baseline, <laughs> then it's completely pointless. So, right. I mean, we definitely, everybody in the group that, that we have is uh, definitely had their experiences and they believe, but we're also a healthy skeptic team as well. So, yeah, I mean, we're not going to assume everything is a ghost or a demon like some teams do. We're going to do our due diligence and, and try to figure out why before we rush the judgment. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Are you a, you know, more of a skeptic or, <laughs> you know, do you kind of take it on face value? Cause I mean, you know, a lot of those shows like ghost adventures, I have, I had to stop watching <laughs> ghost adventures because I just couldn't anymore because everything is haunted or everything is demonic or, you know, whatever. And you could like, if you look at shows like ghost hunters, they would sit in one location for like, nine hours and they'd get two and a half minutes of material right and these guys from ghost adventures i don't know what <laughs> what they got going on but they walk into a place and it blows up like yep. it's insane and uh yeah so i i don't know i mean i don't know how you feel about like those kinds of shows that kind of portray it as oh my god like look at all this stuff that's happening versus yeah, you know, like we managed to glean two and a half minutes of footage. And that's one of the main reasons why I love the original Ghost Hunters when it came back out or came out years and years ago is for that reason. They would go in places and they would debunk stuff. Yep. And they would do have a whole episode and be like, well, nothing happened and that would be cool. And that's right. like, I think that's how it should be. And I obviously understand why it's not like that anymore. I mean, our attention span as a society is... 30 second, 60 second TikTok now. So, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> so you have to have stuff happening continuously to capture somebody's attention and, and keep right. them watching. So, I mean, I understand why the shows are like they are now, but it's definitely not like that in, in the real world when you're out investigating. I mean, we'll do, <clears throat> we'll have, yeah, 35, 40 hours worth of stuff at, at some points to do like, a half hour 45 minute episode on youtube so yeah i mean it's it's definitely different than what you see on ghost adventures for sure <laughs> yeah um and actually uh michelle when i had michelle belanger on the show um she was talking about how when they first started out with paranormal state it was mostly just like them you know the small group going out and doing these investigations and whatever it was fine but it was like when they started to go with a production company, it was like, well, come on now. <laughs> like, right. What? Like something's happening. You heard something weird. Oh, you know, but, you know, say that again, but in this way and whatever. So she was she said it was very nitpicky um, and the way that they wanted to kind of make places appear more haunted or more active than they actually were. And she said that they would go to a place for like four days. <laughs> and they would have like nothing happen and then she has to go in and do like all the blindfolded like the walkthrough and stuff like that and sense the place out right and she's like sometimes i would go through and i just wouldn't i wouldn't feel anything you know and you're like you don't want to be like oh yeah i feel all this stuff because that's your credibility exactly but at the same time this production company is like but we pay you <laughs> to do this so please make it interesting so that's, yeah, that's a, a good point. I was actually doing another show a couple of weeks ago and the uh, young ladies who were doing it were not real versed in like the behind the scenes television mm -hmm. stuff. And I was telling them the same thing. I was like, these 
production teams will stay for a week and film for an hour episode. Yeah. And it makes it look like they're there for four or five hours to do this. And they're there for a week at a time. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like when I filmed uh, for the Travel Channel show Paranormal Challenge with Zach, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but we were there for three days, three or four days. I can't remember filming for the show and it was I mean after commercials it's 42 minutes or whatever of actual airtime and people just don't realize like how much like production and how much just raw footage goes into these shows it's, it's kind of yeah. crazy yeah I mean like we the first season of um this podcast I had a co-host and we decided that we were going to do like a live show like an on haunted location kind of like live-ish show and I think I had four hours of recorded material and that took me days to go through and like rewind and play it again and rewind and play it again. Like, and so, I mean, even though you're only there for like four hours, you're still, it takes you all that time to kind of wade through the content. I mean, I get that you want something instantaneous and like, we're, we're essentially a consumer culture. Like, give it to me. I want to consume it and I oh, want yeah. it now. But at the same time, you know, it's that it's that credibility. It's a real, you know, yeah, it's a touchy subject. Yeah, we're never gonna fake anything. We I've never done that in fifteen years. So I'm not gonna start now. If we have a less than exciting episode or we have something I mean, that is what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> you're just like the ghosts were asleep. I'm sorry. I mean, if we, we do don't know stuff and we have like some stuff happen or nothing, I yeah, I'm cool with that. I and mean, I'm not gonna go out there and like you said, just make everything that's there a demon because i feel like that's been done so many times by so many different yeah, right people that yeah, yeah. That's, that's not what we want so um i'm gonna come back around to the trans allegheny lunatic asylum just because i love that place <laughs> um but is remind me is that the place that has the death shoot no that's waverly hills oh that's waverly hills which I've been to three times now. So it's... over like down. Have you been down on the death? Oh yet? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my god, you've just Not been everywhere. In the dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so what? I mean, what was that like? I like mean, I know that they call it the death shoot, but it wasn't technically like. I heard that it was hard to get trucks up the hill, so that was like the the way for them to bring supplies and stuff in there. But then as more people started to pass away, it was turned into essentially an easy way to remove the bodies from the place. That was my understanding. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what yeah. we were told as well. But I mean, it is like straight down and it is a long way. Like you walk all the way to the bottom and then back up, you need like a half hour break. Just to <laughs> like it's, it's legit. So, I mean, yeah, it's, wow. it's like, one of the creepier places I've ever been because I mean there's doors at the bottom and everything is completely boarded off so nobody can break in oh and sure the top is like a solid door so when you're in there there's obviously no tunnels or I mean no windows in a tunnel so yeah. I mean, it is beyond pitch black in there <laughs> so, I mean that's it gets pretty creepy if you're there with by yourself or with one other person and if yeah. you start hearing footsteps coming up the pathway or the stairs and there's nobody else there then yeah you're gonna assume the, the worst in that situation <laughs> yeah um and the you know the tendency for your eye to kind of create things that aren't there too in pitch darkness oh yeah 
I can't even, I can't even imagine. I don't think I'd be able to go down there. I don't, yeah. just from the experiences that I've had, I, I don't. So I admire your cojones because I, <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah, I've done, I've done some crazy things over the years as far as <laughs> pushing the boundary. So sure. Yeah. I, I, if, if it's, if we get a good shot or if it'll get some good evidence, I'm down to at least give it a try. Yeah. So what are some of like the, um, the smaller or like the lesser known places that you've investigated? Yeah. The place that I mentioned earlier, it's called the Heyman house in Sutton, West Virginia. It's one of my favorite places. I absolutely love that place. The owner, Teresa is phenomenal. She works with us quite a bit. And if anybody's interested, go to check out our YouTube page, uh, Forgotten Relics web series. We had one of the craziest pieces of evidence we've ever captured there. So mm. that place I will always recommend. Um, Sweet Springs, it's not a small place, but it's a newer place. Not, it's been on a couple of shows, but it's still not yeah. to the level that some of the others are. So Sweet Springs, there's a new place. We're actually releasing an episode in a couple of days from the, it's called the Liberty Theater in Nancy Globe, Pennsylvania. It's a brand new place. We were the first team that's ever been in there. Uh, that's a smaller place. We had a lot of activity there. Um, there's been some other places in and around West Virginia, but I mean, those are the ones that stand out the most. Nice. So that, um, the first place that you mentioned, what was the name of that again? The Heyman House. So is that somebody's like personal residence? We actually bought it to fix it up. They had, had thought about living there, but Teresa and her, well, Teresa is the one who runs the tours and everything now. Her husband won't stay there. So <laughs> they're, they're redoing it and they're going to try to turn it into bed and breakfast uh, eventually. Oh. Uh, okay. They've done a ton of work to bring it back. When they bought it, it was in total disrepair, basically. So they put oh. a lot of time and effort into it. It's, it's a beautiful place. But yeah, they, at one point, I think they had talked about moving in there, but with all the stuff that happens, I think they're, <laughs> they're good. <laughs> can you, uh, I, I don't want you to give away like any stuff that's going to be in your episode or whatever, but can you give us like a couple little teasers? Yeah. I mean, that, like I said, every time I've been there, we've had more and more happen, which is really cool that you get to go back to a place and learn more and more of the story. Cause we'll go back and we'll, after we go through all of our, uh, footage and we'll hear stuff that we didn't hear before and then we'll ask those type of questions and it just kind of builds onto the story but at the end of our episode which it's um, still like I said one of the craziest things we've ever captured um, we I still can't to this day explain it and it's still uh, it's, it's hard to say without giving everything away right. but it, it's pretty it's pretty incredible it really is nice yeah well that's cool I mean you know, a lot of a lot of ghost hunting teams go to like smaller places until they can kind of get to the bigger places that they want to get to. Um, but a lot of those teams don't really talk about, you know, like the smaller, like the little hole in the wall that they found. That's kind of what I always enjoyed about ghost ghost hunters was that, you know, they were just two dudes from Roto Rooter, <laughs> right, who did this on the side, and they would go to just random people's houses and be like, dude, what's up? What's happening? You know? And then they would sit and they'd do the investigation. They'd actually try to to help the person at the end, which I thought was really cool. Um, so when you guys go to a place and you investigate and you tie everything up and then you have your, you know, your evidence and you want to present it to the homeowner, do you also offer like next steps 
like, okay, we found this, this confirmed what, you know, you think is happening, or it gives validation to some of the things that you've experienced. Here's what we want to do next, that kind of thing. Yeah, especially when we first started out and we were doing a lot more of the residentials or in-home investigations, we always went in, number one, we went in to debunk what was going on. So if the homeowner said X, Y, and Z is happening, we wanted to find natural explanations for all, all of those X, Y, and Z. And majority of the time, we were actually able to find a lot of very common things that were either being misinterpreted or they didn't realize. And we found a lot of solutions and that would set their mind at ease. And then if we couldn't debunk, then we wanted to figure out why something was going on. Was it something where they were doing renovations and that had kind of stirred up activity? Or was it something where they had said something or done something and for whatever reason, the spirits didn't like it? Or was that why they were acting up? Or if it was just uh, what we call a residual haunting, where it's just the replay, a loop over and over again, and they have no idea that you're there. So that's what we try to find out and then whenever we did find out we would tell the homeowner this is what is going we think is going on we obviously don't know for sure but this is what we think and this is the next step either one if it's like a residual or something like that there's nothing you can do they're not going to hurt you they're not going to talk interact with you they have no idea that you're there if it's more of an intelligent haunting we always would tell people that you can stand up and let the spirits know that you acknowledge them and it's okay as long as they're not being hurtful in any way right. or we can stand up and say hey this is not okay we don't want this to happen anymore please leave us alone and most of the times that would work and uh, worst case scenario we would always recommend they bring in a pastor priest clergy whatever beliefs they had bring in somebody like that and just do a blessing on the house sure and then, so how much of those were, like, if you had to decide on a percentage of how many of those residential hauntings actually turned out to have, like, legitimate activity, what would you say out of 100? Uh, I'd say we debunked 90% and 10% yeah. was something we couldn't explain that I would quantify as paranormal. Right. Yeah, so it sounds like you're you're pretty, you're a healthy skeptic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I always, I always say it's important to have a healthy level of skepticism because if you're just gonna believe everything that you see or everything that you hear, I mean, what, yeah, what is the point? And I, I always, I was telling another uh, show that I was on about the same thing. We were at Sweet Springs. We were having a ton of activity. Stuff was happening. We went back to review because we stayed there multiple days. So we were going back to review some of our footage. And outside of the door, outside of the basement, you could just see this mist appear. And it just like started to like glow. And we were like freaking out. We were like, oh my God, this is like the holy grail evidence. Right. And then we're like, okay, let's take a step back. This could be a lot of things. So we went later that night after it got dark again and it had been a cooler night. So there had been like condensation in the air. And there was this one very specific window when a car came around a turn that if it hit just right, it would uh, light up like that. And we were obviously, I mean, we were happy because we yeah. debunked it and we didn't put out something that wasn't actually paranormal, but I know nine teams out of 10, they're putting that out there as yeah. this incredible evidence. So that's the most recent thing that I can remember where we went back and debunked uh -huh. something. So we always try to do that before we put anything out. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm a member of uh, many, many paranormal groups on Facebook, and it seems like every <laughs> I know it seems like every day there's like a hundred people who are like, "I saw a ghost. Here's a picture of the ghost. Look, the ghost is standing in the window picking its nose. I've never seen a ghost do that before. This is my <laughs> picture, and it's real and whatever. And you know, my house is haunted." And I can sit there and look at that for like an hour and there's nothing there. There's just nothing, I, there's nothing happening there, dude. I'm in so many of those groups and I I have to restrain myself so much. <laughs> like occasionally there'll be something that, that I, like if they're pointing the camera at the sun and there's like this big ball of light, I, I'll tell them that's a lens flare. It's a very common right. photography thing. Go look it up. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then there's just so many pictures where I just, I don't even comment because I don't want to get in a fight. Because the last time I did that, somebody uh, messaged the page and they're like, you're an idiot. You have no idea. You don't see oh it. God. Like, I'm just giving you my 15 years of experience worth right. of opinion. And then I was like, if, if you don't want to hear it, that's fine. Don't put it out on the internet. Right. But yeah. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Those, those pages. Yeah. Crazy sometimes. Some of them are pretty wild. Yeah. Um. So who who all is on your team? Like when you go on like one of those larger investigations, do you bring like extra friends, family members, that sort of thing? Like, is it like everybody pile in the car, let's go? Uh, right now we have three members, myself, uh, Vanessa, my girlfriend, uh, and Scott, our tech manager. Um, that's our three main members. We do work with a lot of other teams and people in the area. Cindy being one of those, she's been... Uh, a friend of mine, basically since the beginning, we met at a paranormal conference in Morgantown, oh, nice. like in 2007 or 2008. So we've known each other this entire time. So she's helped us out quite a bit on Sweet Springs and other investigations. Hmm. Um, Lindsay uh, Rogers from Dark Hollow Paranormal is another one that we work with a lot. She's going to be in our next episode and has been in a couple other ones. We have other people from in and around West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio area that I trust. And if we do need people for a bigger location, then I can call them up and be like, hey, you want to go uh, on a ghost hunt? And they're always, almost always like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Very, <laughs> very little hesitation. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, to kind of clue things up, um, did you maybe want to do some shameless self-promotion? <laughs> um, for like, you said you had a YouTube channel. Um, you know, if you wanted to put like your you have a website or anything that people can go to and like, you know, ask for help or. Yeah. I'm always down to, to get the <laughs> word out there. <laughs> um, right now. Like, yeah, like I said, our big thing that we're working on, we're working really hard is our YouTube web series called forgotten relics. It's youtube.com slash WV para WV P A R A is the website. We have four episodes up right now. We have a fifth one dropping tomorrow, Saturday, the 29th, depending on, I guess you said this is coming out a couple of days after. So it should be out by the time this drops. So go watch it. And then we have three more after that that are filmed and being in, uh, reviewed and edited right now. So we're going to have a lot of new content coming up in the next couple of months. So that's what we're really trying to get people to go check out. And then our Facebook page, West Virginia Paranormal Investigations, we do a lot of live streaming through the Facebook page. So if you're interested in checking out some live streams, and that's also the best way to contact us, uh, you can message the page directly. Uh, we have everybody checks it daily. 
Um, and then we also have an Instagram page at WV Para Investigations as the handle. We post a lot of pictures and stuff there. But right now, like I said, YouTube number one, Facebook number two. Nice. Sounds good. Yeah, um, I'm personally going to subscribe right after we get off this call. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I very much appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Um, Jonathan Johnson, thank you so much. West Virginia Paranormal. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to watch those YouTube videos and uh, get some full body chills on the go. So <laughs> thank you so well. much for lending your time. I really appreciate it and your expertise. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. <laughs> All right. Take care, man. Thanks. Thank you. A huge thank you to Jonathan and the crew at West Virginia Paranormal. Cheers to many more investigations and stay safe out there. That's it for this week and this season, dear listeners. The Identity Podcast will take its usual summer hiatus, but will return in the fall with more tales of the creepy, weird, and paranormal. Until then, stay spooky. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer. The podcast is written, produced, and edited by Janine Mercer, unless otherwise stated, and the music is provided by GarageBand. Find The Odd Pod on Twitter and Instagram at IdentityPod, and Facebook as The Identity Podcast. You're welcome to email suggestions for future episodes to theidentitypodcast at gmail.com, and if you'd like a transcript of this episode, one will be available at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Please take a moment to leave a five-star review on iTunes, and if you haven't already, please make sure to mash the subscribe button to be sure you're in the know when a new episode drops. Sincerest thanks to all that have promoted the Identity Podcast to their family, friends, and coworkers. Every little bit helps. fellow true crime aficionados we are the host of bad axe podcast i'm danielle and i'm aaron join us every thursday for twisted true crime tales the bad deeds and the supernatural we've covered family annihilators cold-blooded baby daddies cannibals and even people who blame zombies ghosts and voodoo for their bad acts bad acts if you like fresh stories and new perspectives on crime, Bad Axe will be your new jam. Stay safe out there, you big baddies, and bye bye. Bye bye.